Father, we thank you for today. We can never thank you enough, but we thank you, Lord. Thank you for watching over us during the night. Thank you for your angel that encamped round about each home that is represented here. Thank you, Lord, that our sleep wasn't interrupted by the agents of darkness. Thank you for the salvation of our souls. Father, even as we spend time in your word, we know that your word will cleanse us. We know that your word will sanctify us. Father, today we know that your word will heal us. We know that your word will enrich our lives. Father in heaven, grant us hearing ears, Lord, and make us people, Lord, who will do that which we hear today. Blessed be your name, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let us turn our Bibles quickly to the Gospel according to Mark chapter 5. Today, I want to look again at the story of the woman with the issue of blood. But since we have a, a title like that in the past, I think today we'll just call this a woman of substance. A woman of substance. Mark 5, 25 to 34. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be made whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, seest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. A simple story. We all know it well. A woman had a problem. The Bible calls it the issue of blood. So it meant she bled. And she bled continuously. The Bible tells us for 12 years. In that period of time, she consulted many physicians. And the Bible says she suffered many things at their hands, which means that they experimented in various ways on how to find a solution to the problem. And sometimes the methods that they brought up were unpleasant and uncomfortable. But her condition defied help. Rather than get better, the Bible tells us that she grew worse. And eventually, over a period of 12 years, she spent all that she had. But one day, after she had heard about Jesus, oh, please, I just remembered something. Um, we will, in fact, from this Sunday, henceforth, take testimonies. So... If you have any testimony that you want to share with anybody else or the, with the rest of the church, please try and see us after service henceforth so that we can take it the, the following Sunday. We will henceforth have 
a, a testimony slot here in the city of David so that people can know that God is actually doing a thing in the lives of the people who are here. But one day, after she had heard about Jesus, she decided to give Jesus a try. And just one touch made her whole. We're going to look at this story from, from three different levels today. And I'm hoping and praying that as many people as can find in themselves the ability to reach out and touch the Jesus will also receive healing in that area of their lives that they desire that God will do something. Just one touch, the Bible tells us, and she was made whole. Let's first identify this woman. Who exactly was this woman? She was a very successful woman. She had made a little fortune for herself. Because the Bible tells us that in her problem, she had the ability to consult the physicians of her day. She didn't consult just one. Each time she tried a specialist and he couldn't help, she went somewhere else. And because we are told that she spent all her money, it meant that she didn't consult GPs. She paid money for consultation. So that she was somebody who had means. She must have been a hard-working woman. She must have been an intelligent, strong-willed woman. You see her will in the perseverance over that period of 12 years, that type of will will succeed even in business. But we find that just one day, tragedy struck without a warning. An otherwise natural occurrence, her normal, and I want us to understand this point, just her normal monthly period came and she probably did what everybody else or what she had always done all her life and lived her life normally except that suddenly she realized that oh this bleeding hasn't stopped and I'm sure that she must have had a little bit of concern and hoped that it would stop. But it continued. Her concern must have later turned into alarm. Because all of a sudden she realized that, ah, this ought not to be so. I'm sure she must have hoped that somehow something would happen. But as time went on, Alarm would have become real fear. And panic would have set in. And of course, the rest is history. Because we know that she found that the situation just didn't get any better. It's a story in the Bible, but it has spiritual connotations. 
So let's just look at what the Bible is trying to tell us about that situation. Leviticus 17:11 tells us clearly. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So that what was happening to her was that her life was slowly dripping out of her, was slowly just dropping away. In her, you see, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. But in this woman, we see an example of the devil's own living sacrifice. Because sacrifice always has to do with the shedding of blood. She was alive, but blood just kept on coming out of her for a period of 12 years. So that she, she stands for us as a good example of a living sacrifice. The way that the devil does his own things. So the problem she had looked just normal. But it was a spiritual problem. It started so unobtrusively. You know, it's, it's almost like you just have a headache. And you take Panador. Okay. I'm not supposed to even sell anything here. You take a painkiller. And the headache just doesn't go. So you just decide that, well, if you go to bed, it will go. And it doesn't go. Or you feel a little insect bite on your hand or on your chest. And just scratch it and think it will go. And over time, the thing begins to become not even a boil, but a lump. You know, just quietly like that. That's what this woman experienced. It was a normal monthly period. But there was something else happening. And confirmation of the fact that what was wrong with her was spiritual is found in Leviticus 15 where her condition is clearly labeled unclean. That condition is labeled unclean in the Bible. In fact, if you read Leviticus 15, you'd be amazed at how unclean she was. If she touched anything and you touched that same thing, you yourself became unclean. If she sat on a chair and you sat on the same chair, you became unclean. Her situation was as bad as the situation of a leper. So we know that the physical problem was not just a physical problem. It had very deep spiritual connotations. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says that I am come that they might have what life and have it more abundantly. But we see in this woman life doing what? Living. So we can tell clearly that this had nothing to do with the Lord. That it had everything to do with the enemy. And remember that she was very successful. That she had 
money, and that money she now began to spend quietly trying to get some relief. Proverbs 10.22 tells us that the blessings of God, they make rich, but he doesn't add any what sorrow. The converse is that there is a blessing that makes rich, but from time to time would add what? Some sorrow. And we see, wake that gentleman up, wake that gentleman up. Oh God, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. That we will sleep and the problem will remain. If you feel sleepy, stand to your feet and walk around. If you sleep again, I'll come and call you. I know there's no light in Lagos. Don't let the AC here make you sleep. <laughs> this woman's problem was therefore something from the enemy. It was, as it was, payback time. But let's look at the relevance of this woman. I mean, there's so much we can talk about this woman. For example, we're not going to talk about it, but you know that the woman in this scripture can also represent the church. But I just want to look at it at three simple levels. First, let's take the level of the unsaved. There are people inside this church. There are people in our families that are not saved. They do not know Christ as Lord and Savior. They are like this woman with the issue of blood. On a daily basis, life, real life, leaves them. On a daily basis, they move towards the point of death. But they do not know. Because that is the way the enemy operates. They are dying slowly. Very, very slowly. But they think they are alive. What is amazing about people is that people can be in here for two years and never give their life to Christ. Although, well, there are some of us who say we have given our lives for the past five, six years, but we really are still not Christians. They have a spiritual problem. It manifests itself in unbelief, in nonchalance towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Bible itself tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.3, it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And this group of people have the deadliest disease of all. Because it's a disease that destroys you spiritually. So today, if you are here, Jesus is not your Lord, is not your Savior. You have never made any commitment to him. You are like the woman with the issue of blood. Your life is ebbing away slowly, on a daily basis. But you think that for as long as you are walking up and down, you are alive. But the truth is, you're dying. And eventually, will die. A spiritual death. The solution is ever so simple. As we see in the woman's case, she reached out 
to Jesus. But one of the things about the Christian faith is Romans 10, 9 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That's all it takes to become born again. That's all. It doesn't, you don't need to kill an animal. You don't need to do anything spectacular. It's just to be able to open one's mouth and say, well, I believe in Jesus and really believe in your heart that he came to this earth, he died, and that the death he died on the cross was for you and to accept that he died for you. The Bible says that's all you need to do and you will be saved. So I'd like to encourage those of us who are here today who have never made any commitment to Jesus. This story we are reading tells us clearly that this woman was dying. And why do I say she was dying? The Bible tells us that she had this condition for 12 years. For 12 years. And 12 there represents fullness. You see, Jesus chose 12 disciples. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus was actually on the way to heal Jairus' daughter who was dying at the age of 12. Jesus, at the age of 12, was found in the temple discussing. So that 12 represents fullness. Had she not made that effort to touch Jesus in that 12th year of her condition, she would have died. And I'm sure there are many that the Bible doesn't tell us about who died. And there are many people who are in their 12th year, as it were, of fooling around with God. Coming to church, knowing something about God. I mean, so some people come to church, they, for a while, they carry tapes, they play the tapes, they sing the songs in the bathroom, in their cars, in their offices. Then after a while, they just stop coming to church. Some of them right now, who used to come to church, are watching TV, listening to CNN. Their life is ebbing away. Some are at the golf course now, playing golf. Their life is what? It's ebbing away. And many of them, unfortunately, do not know that some of them stand. You see, two people are playing golf. One man is in the 12th year of his disease. The other man is only in the second year. And both of them think they are alike. Meanwhile, one person's time is almost up. And for those of us who have friends, relations, who are like this, realize that God says there's a time for everything. There is, and he's a God of timing. So that no information in the Bible is, is useless. But I speak particularly to those of you who are here today. Somehow you have found yourself in here, but no commitment to Jesus. Don't leave here today the same way that you just came in, casually, freely, 
Some, some actually come for the music. But today, let us understand that this woman was about to die. And the only thing that brought her back to life was Jesus. So I'd like to encourage us, if you are here today, you know that you are not saved. Then don't, don't bother listening to the rest of the things I'm going to say. Try and just keep your mind on that issue. So when the time comes to say to Jesus, here I am. Or in fact, you can even, as you are, bow down your heads on your own and just talk to the Lord today. And say, well, let me not take any more chances. Let me come to life. The second level I want to look at this story is from that of the everyday problems that Christians face. Christians have everyday issues in their lives. Health, marriage, family, business, schoolwork. And from this woman's story, we find that any situation in our Christian lives where there is a constant drain, where there is a constant loss, where there is a steady decline, it's a situation of the issue of blood. Remember that blood there represents life. So anything in life that is going downwards, that's not going up, where life is living, and you're not living it in abundance, something is happening that is wrong. And from the story of this woman, we find that these things never happen with a big bang. The business doesn't collapse just like that. It starts very unobtrusively, very quietly. The signs, you probably look and not see them. The problem in the marriage doesn't just happen with a big blowout. It starts very, very quietly. Very, very quietly. So silent, you do not even know it's there. The thing that will get you into trouble in your office, it doesn't happen with you carrying your customers 10 million and putting it in your own account. It starts so quietly and unobtrusively. You never even know. It's just there, quietly. But what is actually happening is that life is taking its toll. And you do not even realize that something is going on. Because this woman had her, remember, monthly period. But from the very first day of that particular period, there was a problem. But she didn't even know there was a problem. She didn't even know there was a problem. It took a while for her to realize that, ah, it's not supposed to be like this. Then she said, okay, don't worry. Something like that, don't worry. And then she said, okay, week one, week two, this is no longer don't worry. There's concern that something is amiss. And then imagine over a period of 12 years. In other words, the journey starts at a point in time and can last for very long. But see, if we are Christians, we should be able to determine that there's a problem in this 
situation. So I say that whatever the problem is, it always will manifest itself in the physical. Always does. But it actually always has spiritual beginnings. If it doesn't first exist in the spirit realm, you won't see a sign of it in the physical. And the Bible tells us so clearly, as I said, that the blessings of God, they make rich, but they add no, no sorrow. Problem number one with most Christians is we all would take blessings from anywhere. Yet the Bible has given us a pure guideline. Be careful because there's one or there are those blessings that will always add sorrow. But when you take those blessings in, and nothing happens initially. It doesn't mean that the sorrow won't come. There is a guarantee that it will, it will come. Now when it comes, you will suddenly find that it doesn't live that easily. So, just like the woman with the issue of blood, you find that many Christians have said, the woman, a woman in the Bible, can always represent the church. Why do I say so? Because the church is female. The church is the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. And a clear example of the fact that some of these things, that these things are really spiritual problems. Let's turn to Haggai. I want us all to read together what Haggai says in Haggai chapter 1. As we read together, just see how even though it's talking about something else, how it relates to the woman with the issue of blood. Haggai chapter 1, let us read together. Verse 6. Verse 6. Haggai chapter 1. It's towards the end of the Bible. Very near Matthew. In my Bible, it's page 1153. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. Shall we all read together? 1, 2, go. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. What's, going, what's the description that we're looking at there? It's a description of the ebbing away of life. Because it's your life that you spend sowing. It's your life that you spend working. So I work, I collect my earnings or wages, and all that happens is that the thing just drains away. It's a spiritual problem. I invest so much in the home, and all that happens is the home is falling apart. I do my best in the office. And all that happens is my boss doesn't see anything good in what I do. Something is wrong. And what we always do as Christians is precisely what this woman did. She consulted who? The physicians of the day. And even when they had no solutions to the problem, what did she do? She went to other physicians. 
I said on Wednesday, you cannot solve spiritual problems with your strength or intellect or even the wisdom of the world. And as you try on your own, you walk closer and closer to the path of destruction. Proverbs 14, 12. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So there are people here, they are trying to solve the problem because it looks like a physical problem. They are trying hard to make sure that things work. But as you try, it gets worse. Because you cannot solve these problems. You are spirit, soul, and body. We belong to God. And the earlier we realize that, the better. Now let's read together Exodus 15.26. In trying to find a solution to all problems. It's good to say that the solution is Jesus. But I want to show you something in Exodus 15.26. Are we all there? Exodus chapter 15, 26. One, two, go. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now if you understand that Egypt always represents the world in the Bible. And if you understand the story of the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. And how God judged Egypt. This bit of scripture tells us that there is something called the diseases of the Egyptians. The issue of blood is a simple disease of the Egyptians. The ebbing of life in any situation that concerns us is a disease of the Egyptians. When we work hard at our business and the business just is falling apart, it is a disease of the Egyptians. It ought not to happen to us. It has no business with us. None. Christians, I said once, some time ago, I said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I said to wives who are in church, if your husband doesn't give you anything, no matter what he says, he can't really love you. Because love, the Bible tells us, always gives. So that if I'm in a marriage where I get nothing, that is, the wife gets nothing, that wife needs to begin to pray and fast because there's a clear indication that there's not love in that situation. So if you come and say to me, Ah, Pastor, so we missed you. Ah, Pastor... And I know that you never give me a pin. Yeah. We just tell you, Hosanna, Hosanna. Because I said, the next thing you are going to say, which I will expect, is crucify him, crucify him. Love always gives. In other words, there are certain standards God has put in place. Almost every single thing that goes wrong, 
is a simple disease of Egypt. Egypt is a world. There's no one here whose business is not doing well. Who can say to me, uh, I have no attachments with the way the world does things. You will. And once you do, the diseases of Egypt will come upon you. You see this woman, just to show you something about her, she's successful, she has money. Does the Bible mention her husband? No. She's most likely not married. That she knew the physicians of the day. And that those physicians, knowing fully well what it meant to even treat her, and for them to treat her and to take money from her, would mean that they had been in some form of close contact. She must have known this. She must have been a real woman of the society. The Bible doesn't say so, but I can guess from the type of ailment that she had that she must have been a real good time girl, as somebody said once. And it always works that way. It always happens that way. The place in your life that you live in the world, that is the very place that the enemy can stand upon. He can't stand on you anywhere else except the grounds that you yield to him. And I've said two Wednesdays ago, the most powerful passage of scripture for healing is not by his stripes, but it is Exodus 15, 26. The Bible says there that if we will diligently hearken to who? To his voice. To hearken is not just to hear, but to hear and to obey. Condition number one. Notice, this woman, the Bible tells us, when she had heard. It didn't say when she heard. When she had heard. So there was a period of hearing, and then there was a period of digesting what she had heard. If you will diligently hearken to his voice, condition number one, if you will do that which is right in his sight, condition number two. So if you just take those three things and put them against the problems that you have, whatever the problem is, whatever the problem is, ask yourself that regarding the promotion in my office that I cannot get, regarding the examination that I cannot pass, can I say that I diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord? And if your answer is yes, then you say to yourself, so what was it that the Lord said concerning that situation? Of course, if you don't know what he said, then how can you say you've hearkened? Then can you say Concerning that very situation that you want a solution to today, can you say that you do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? All of us who do business, particularly those, you see, this is the year of reckoning. There are many Christian businesses here today that are not doing well. Can you say of that business, I do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? 
If you can, ah, no problem. But you see, the truth is most of us can't. Many of us are still consulting physicians. To consult physicians is to try and solve the problem with your brain. Will you give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes? I was sharing this morning with the workers. The interesting thing about God, let's take that very first one. Because once you are okay in diligently, it doesn't say if you hearken to his voice. It's diligently. It is almost leaves you no room whatsoever to shake. Hearken to his voice. You see, one thing about the Lord that I know, this is personal experience. If he says to you today, don't do that, or make amends in that, and you don't do it, he will never speak to you again. He won't. That's why you find people who are thoroughly unruly. They will come and tell you, Pastor, I prayed, and, and, and there was peace. The Lord actually said I should go ahead. It's a big white lie. He didn't say anything. You cannot be an unruly person. And then you come and tell me that God said, it's not God. Write it down, it's not God. Go and ask anywhere. He won't speak. A good example, Abraham carries lot. What happened to him? God didn't say anything to him again until there was a fight and Lot left. Then God called him and said, well, okay, now let's talk. Later on, the same Abraham listened to Sarah's advice, had a child called Ishmael. What happened? 13 years of Abraham's life is missing in the Bible. And those 13 years, he was busy playing ball with Ishmael, carrying him to market, showing him all his wealth, God didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. But guess what? This is so real. If God says, stop, don't, and you stop and you don't, <laughs> the moment you stop and don't, he gives you another instruction. Immediately, you don't have to pray to hear. He will tell you, don't again. The only thing that instructions are not easy. But as you listen and you hearken, more instructions come. So the Bible tells us that the solution to most problems that we find have to do with hearing God and obeying Him. Nothing else. And this story tells us the fact that all is going well today does not mean there will be no payback time. So I want us all who are here today to think, what was it that God told you last to do that you just brushed aside? Because if you've done that, until you go back and obey, he's not likely to tell you, something else. Why would he? He's God. Because he certainly knows that you're going to brush it aside again. 
But if you will diligently hearken to his voice, hearken is to hear and to obey. If you will do that, because the moment you begin to hearken and to obey, what will, what will happen? You will begin to do that which is right in his, in his sight. Immediately. Which tells us that it's not all that is right that is acceptable to God, except those things that are right in his sight. Because the third thing that follows immediately will come naturally. You will find that you are keeping what? All his commandments. You will find that if you spend time in the morning with him, he will tell you the things to do, the things not to do. You haven't obeyed God in the last 12 months, last instruction he gave to you. So somebody brings a contract worth 10 million before you. Then you want to do like a zealous Christian. So you go and say, Lord, should I touch this contract or shouldn't I? Satan will say to you, touch it, my son. Because God won't speak. So all of you who are hearing from God, that we can see a clear rebellious streak in your lifestyle. People who know what to do and how to do it. It's not God speaking. You can write that down today. Because so many Christians come and they tell you that, ah, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. It is not the Lord. Because you haven't obeyed the last instruction. He's not going to give you new instructions. He will not give you new instructions. What did this woman do? The Bible says she had heard of Jesus. And she went out with faith. And she got her healing. Now let me explain one more thing that we need to do before we pray. Many Christians never become desperate. And I... I, I I'm telling you clearly that to be desperate is so much an integral part of touching God and getting a miracle. This woman was very desperate. Because somehow, in her spirit, she knew that she was at the end of her rope. If something didn't happen, then she would die. That's why we say she was a woman with a very strong will. Let's observe how desperate she was. One, she was unclean. So that in deciding to go to Jesus, she knew that if she was found, she could be stoned to death. In other words, her situation had tied her so well that it, had pre it prevents her from getting help. You see, because remember, if she sat on a chair, Leviticus 15, read it, and somebody else who didn't know came and sat on that chair. That person automatically became what? Unclean. She didn't have to touch you. Which meant that she had become an outcast. If they caught her, if anybody just saw her amongst people, they would just destroy her because she was going to destroy them. So begin to imagine her courage. In going out. Because there was a very good chance that she would never get near Jesus. There was a very good chance that she could die before she got there. That is why she said she would go from where? From behind. Secondly, she had heard about Jesus. In other words, she knew the power that was in him. Which meant clearly to her that attempting to touch him without his consent was attempting to do what? To defile Jesus. And if Jesus had the power that she had heard about, it meant Jesus would know clearly 
that this woman wants to come and do what? Defile me. So again, very serious chance that she will never really get near him. And we see in the Bible so clearly that as she touched Jesus, Jesus knew. He knew. He didn't have to see her. He knew. But why would she go even when all the odds were against her? Because she had believed in herself that this and this alone was the way of salvation. She was really afraid that she might be discovered. If she was discovered, she wouldn't get her miracle. So she knew she had to take a chance. She knew that Jesus never walked alone. There were many people around him. She knew that she would have to defile a lot of people in the process of reaching out for her miracle. But you see, she was really, really desperate. And that brings us to the place, the reason why many Christians never get any miracles at all. The Christians, maybe because of the world that we live in today, have come to the place where they accept the problem. And if the problem doesn't solve itself, we leave it alone. We give up on God. I know Christians who have given up on God. But the truth is nothing will happen. God is not your houseboy. You need him. He doesn't really need you. We must come to the place where we become desperate. There's a lie in Christendom which prescribes three days of fasting, dry, no food, no water, praying, then the problem must go. Some seven days, some 14 days. That's why people come and you say, okay, let's pray. They say, Pastor, I've prayed. I say, hey, have you prayed? He says, I have even fasted. So what do you want the pastor to do? To wave a magic wand. But see, those people are not desperate. To be desperate is to lay hold on God and to say, until this problem leaves, I won't leave you. That's what it is. To be desperate is to cast all cares aside and say, this situation, because the truth is all the situations we find, once you see the disease of Egypt around you, something is out of order. It ought not to be so. It's just not part of the Christian life. It tells me something is wrong with me and you. And there's always a lot wrong with us. Always. So that we must come to the place where we say to ourselves, we will hold on to you, Lord, until this thing sorts itself out. Once you become desperate, we'll solve the problem. And desperation, please, let it not wait until the 12th year. I'm using 12th there in figurative terms. Don't go and start saying, uh, my problem is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> no. Don't let it wait until it comes to its fullness. Because sometimes, at that point, you might not have the will and the faith that you are reading about today. The moment you smell 
a rat lay hold on God. Many Christians, when the problem just surfaces quietly, because it's so unobtrusive, so small, the first reaction, always the first reaction, is the way of the world, even including me. I'll give you an example. The girl had a headache. Headache, just a headache. First reaction, Panadol. Unknown to everybody around her, in 72 hours, that headache would kill her. By the time the thing becomes a life-threatening situation, it's too late. In fact, the truth is, nobody quite realizes that it's that life-threatening. And most of us are like that. Most of us who are here are like that. Just a little pain in the leg. Very few Christians first pray. The first thing you do is panadol. Don't worry, I do, I do the same too. But I'm changing. That's the first thing we do. You just try the way that the world has told you to go. And sometimes for some people, it's actually you are living in the 12th situation or year. So let's learn how not to be comfortable with problems. Some of us get very comfortable with problems, and unless you really become desperate and decide that this ought not to be so, it will stay with you. God said to the children of Israel, drive out every single tribe in the land I'm going to give to you. They fought and fought and fought. And after a while, they said, ah, it's enough. We'll manage with the rest. And they managed with them. And they became a thorn in their flesh. Third level that I want to just talk about briefly is this. This woman spent all she had trying to get well. She had spent her life acquiring wealth. Now, particularly for most of us who are in the city of David, our lives are spent acquiring wealth. Well, it is okay. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18 that it is God himself that gives us strength to get wealth. But he adds a bit of condition. He says it is, the wealth is so that God might establish his covenant. And I've said this before many, many times. That God has a covenant of increase, a covenant of wealth with us. He does. He does. But the thing is, when you acquire wealth as if you were in Egypt, then you have a problem. Because many acquire wealth only for themselves. The work of God has nothing to do with them. Nothing. Absolutely nothing to do with them. If you want to know that God has a covenant of increase, there's a tip to that effect. But Genesis 17, verses 1 to 7, you can read that later. But the question to ask each person here today, particularly like those of us who are really, really doing well making this money, how much would you pay for your health? Because a quiet little problem can wipe away everything completely. So that the guarantee for health is actually realizing. You see, because what is it 
that produces wealth. It is the life that God has put in you. That's all. Nine to five. Like somebody said, you got a job and they told him there, this is not your regular nine to five job. He showed me the letter. I said, ah, these guys, they pay well, man. I said, but they will walk you to the bone. He said, they've told him that they work on Sundays. They work seven days a week, but they'll pay you. Only thing, I wonder when you spend the money. But that job that guy has, every young person in this church would want that job. Even if though it means you'll be working on Sundays. And it's just God's grace and God's mercy. You see, because the enemy can put a little pin, a little pin that will take you from physician to physician to physician to physician. And because it is spiritual, they will never see it on any x-ray. No CAT scan will reveal anything. Nothing. And then what happens? That which we hoard and hold and build just goes away quietly. 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 Let us learn, even from this woman's story, that we must honor God with our substance. Too many people inside the city of David do not pay tithes. Too many. There's always what they call payback time. It's the enemy setting you up for destruction. Honestly. Too many of us, the monies we will spend just having lunch. We can never give that amount of money as a single offering. I told the workers today, the reason why if you watch, I always write checks for offering is because it's so hard to count 2,000 naira. And by the time you count 15 naira, 10. Ah, you just say, well, it's enough. Okay, how many people are putting that amount of money in? But I've since realized that it's not enough money. So I carry, my checkbook is always inside my, my Bible. And many of us, but like those of us who stay for the two services, when you give your offering during the first service, you don't give again during the second service. It doesn't matter. You just got to learn to understand that these things come from God. Once you begin to see God in almost every aspect of your life, he becomes real to you. He does. I like to encourage us to give offerings with checks. It's easy to write a check. I wrote so many checks. I had to go and look for money to put in the account because I had a feeling some money will bounce. Because I just write, you know. As, as something tells me, I, I remember the service of the Jew. I wrote 2,000. Something said to me, eh, ah, I just wrote another 5,000. Whether I had the money on that, I will find the money. Not many of you can write. How many people will bring 10,000 error and just remove it? First of all, it's so bulky. And just put it inside the offering basket. It's difficult. It is. But see, God demands that we practice this thing. It's not enough to just hear and come to service on Sunday, 200 naira, 500 naira. Then you just drive through Value Mart and you spend 3,000 naira buying junk that will kill you. It's true. But it's true. A lot of that stuff kills us. A lot of it is death in installment. 
So why, why, why is it easier to buy junk than to put money in an offering basket? Why is it easier to buy diamonds and gold for five, ten thousand dollars and not pay tithes? Why? You see, when God speaks, please let's be who here and let's begin to make amends. You see, that's the problem that God has set us all up for. Today, God is speaking. Some will hear and hearken. Some will hear and not hear. This woman heard, and the major issue of Christian life, many do not hear. Why don't people hear? Some are asleep. There are other voices that are ringing in our ears, so we cannot hear God. But the Bible says, if you diligently hearken, hear, and do, none of the diseases of the Egyptians he will put upon you. Shall we bow our heads even so today? And just each person speak to the Lord. I'm sure the Lord is speaking to each one of us in various areas of life. And I want us to really spend some time praying. Just you know what you want to talk to the Lord about. Talk to him. Anything that he's speaking to you about today, bring it to the fore and just discuss with him. Ask him to help you. If you do not pay your tithes, tell him today to put the power in you to pay your tithes. So important. So important. If you know that the instructions God has given you, you have not carried out, ask today for strength and grace to carry out. As you carry out one instruction, another instruction comes. You don't have to pray for it to come. It comes. It just comes. Because God himself is so pleased to find out that you've listened and you have acted. He gives you another instruction immediately. Oh, he does. He does. And each instruction, guess what? Takes you down the pathway of life. Takes you down the pathway to heaven. Takes you away from problems of the world. Takes you away from disease and from death. Takes you away into the place of life. Jesus says, I've come so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Not so that our life must drain away or ebb away. Ask for strength today to do the things that you hear. Promise him that you will diligently hearken. And then ask him to take away the diseases of Egypt. And he will. Every situation that drains away from us, that takes away life, talk to the Lord about it today. Now, as we are doing so, there are some of us, as I said at the beginning, we are walking the pathway of death, but we do not know. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and we will believe in our hearts that he came to this earth, he died for you and I, then we will be saved. So if there are people here today who want to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you came down from heaven and you died for my sins. I believe that by your precious eternal blood, that was shed, I am saved. If you want to say that prayer, just put up your hand briefly so we can put a card in your hand. Then you put down your hand and then you speak to the Lord. There's some of you here, you need to pray that prayer. Don't hide. God knows you and knows you well. Please, don't come in and go away the same way that you have come in. If you are here today, you have never made a proper commitment to Jesus. Please just put up your hand wherever you are. And we'll put a card in that hand. We need to put a card in your hand so we can write to you and get to know you. 
better. That's all I'm asking you to do. Is there anybody here who wants to say to Jesus today, Lord, I do not really know you. I have never made a commitment to you before. But today I come and I make a commitment to you firmly. I accept the sacrifice on the cross. Put up your hand. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Everyone who is here, at one point in time or the other, had to put up his or her hand for Jesus. I need to see your hand from where I'm staying here. God bless you. Just God bless you. Put up your hand. Don't be shy. Then put down your hand and then speak to Jesus. And as you speak to him, make a commitment to him. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't be shy. Just put up your hand and take a card. It's so easy here in the city of David. So easy. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? There are more of you who are here. God knows you. And guess what? He says if you deny him before men, he will deny you. God bless you. Put up your hand boldly and just take a card. That's all. Then as you get your card, bow your heads down and just talk to the Lord and just say to him, Lord, have mercy upon me. I believe you died for me. Tell him in your own words the things that you have done that you don't want to ever do again and ask him that his power should come upon you today so that you don't do those things again. Anybody else? Anybody else? There are some of you here. Don't be shy. Just put up your hand. Why should we beg you to come to life? Your life will change. Oh yes, your life will change if you make a commitment to Jesus today. Just put up your hand and take a card. It's not such a difficult thing to do. It isn't. It isn't at all. And God says for each one of you who puts up his or her hands that angels rejoice in heaven. Wouldn't it be lovely today that you know that because you put up your hand that angels are rejoicing in heaven. Just imagine that, that you cause them to joy in heaven because of you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Even just one person, just put up your hand and say, well, here I am, Jesus. I make a commitment to you today. Anybody else? The rest of us, let's really spend some time and just talk to the Lord. The Lord is here. He's, here. He's going to hear us. First, tell him that you want to be able to diligently hearken. And then those of us who know that the last instruction we have gotten, we have done nothing about them, then talk to the Lord today and ask him for strength and grace to do that which he has asked us to do. Just do that and he'll give you the grace. Try God and see. As you obey, more instructions come. Oh yes. You don't even need to ask for the instructions. As you obey, instructions come. He gives you more instructions. And each instruction is an instruction that takes you into the path of life, not death. Life, not death. Please talk to the Lord today. said that if we would diligently hearken unto your voice that if we will do that which is right in your sight if we keep all your commandments and your statutes 
that you put none of the diseases of Egypt upon us. God in heaven, as many as have promised, Lord, to diligently hearken, as many as have promised, Lord, that they will do that which is right in your sight. Father in heaven, today we ask that you will blot out the disease of Egypt that is upon our lives. Every situation, Lord, in each life that is here, that can be described as an issue of blood, a situation of decline, a situation of drainage, a situation of death. Father, even today, let that life that you have come to give us, that abundant life, reverse that situation in the name of Jesus. Have mercy upon us, Almighty God. Grant each one of us in our hearts, Lord, that ability, that desire to hearken and to do that which you ask us to do, Lord. Reveal to us today, Lord, that as we obey, so do you speak. We give you glory and honor today, Lord. Bless each one of us, Lord. Confirm the words we have spoken today, Lord, in the lives of your children, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.